I'm so thankful for the opportunity to preach, and um, it's a blessing. Thank you to the elders in the church for inviting me and for letting me be part of a father and son and son duo, or trio, rather. And uh, I would just like to say right before I begin that when I grow up, I still want to be like my dad. And uh, David still is cooler than me, you know, still trying to be as cool as him. So I tried to dress like him today. You'll notice when he gets up here. I don't want anybody to make a fuss about it, but uh, it's pretty cool, so I thought I'd wear what he wore. I want to talk to you about identity. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Identity. And for my Edwards family, when we uh, are riding in a car, usually after a meeting or doing something fun, sometimes, I don't even know how it really started, but we have a chant. Right? And so we're just driving down the road and it's quiet. And one of us will just start saying, Edwards, Edwards, Edwards. And now all of a sudden, all five of us, Edwards, Edwards. And then we stop and laugh, and that's kind of the end of it. But what's so special about this is that I love that our kids have an identity and what it means to be part of this family. It's something very, very important. And I'm glad that we have that silly ritual. Identity is a fascinating concept, and so maybe we could just generally describe it as a person's sense of self and belonging. Okay, so, and we all have this identity question where we're asking, who am I? A lot of times we think it's what young people ask, uh, you know, as they leave the home, who am I by myself? But, you know, midlife crises are nothing but people in the middle of their life saying, who am I? What's happened so far? Where am I going? In retirement years, people ask the question, who am I? What, is, what has my life been about? And what concerns me is that many times identity can be misplaced. Uh, people look at their job. Like, this is what I do. It's who I am. Or a relationship. This person makes me complete. It's who I am. Uh, things that even today that, that we didn't maybe generations in the past think were something that would be broadcast, your sexual identity, your gender identity. These things, uh, people focus on them so much that they can't see oftentimes the bigger picture. And so why I'm concerned is that when people have identity problems, it leads to a myriad of spiritual issues, depression and anxiety and stress, bitterness, anger, jealousy, resentment, loneliness, fear. All of this comes about because somebody has had something go wrong and they're not the person that they thought they were. And maybe that's been the case for you. I want to do a brief or a mini expository study of John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. I'm going to offer you three points from that and then a very practical application. I really hope that this works. Uh, because the song that we're going to sing after this study will go in tandem with the study. It's the practical part. So we're all going to get to do it. Before we get there, John 8, 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amazing scripture. Wonderful truth. Our identity in Christ Right? There is a reality that's objective and, and God loves us and he wants us to be saved and the truth can set us free. But you know, with 
identity struggles is often a delusional response. Uh, we may objectively be something and yet subjectively we don't feel it. And here these believing Jews, it says they were believing Jews, are delusional. In verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and we've never been enslaved to anyone. How do you say you will become free? That's, that's just crazy. They are literally in a Roman occupation. Before that was the Greeks, before that was uh, the Persians, before that was the Babylonians. They had struggles with being enslaved, and yet their identity as far as their national identity was so fixed and so proud that they couldn't see this objective truth. And so I, I think there's three lessons in Jesus' response, and I want to give them to you real quick. The first one comes from verse 34, and the lesson is those who practice sin are enslaved in it. That's what Jesus says, verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. There is no special salvation blessing uh, for them for nationally being Jewish. But you know what? There's no special salvation blessing for anyone here. And I want you to know that, that uh, what a privilege. It is an absolute privilege to have been born and raised in a Christian home. But you don't get to ride the coattails of mom and dad into heaven. You must stand on your own faith. And when you sin, the pedigree of anyone in your family doesn't matter. You are enslaved to sin. Romans 6, verse 16. Number two, slaves don't have security. Look at verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. It's kind of an odd follow-up to that verse 34 about being enslaved in sin but the idea culturally was that the slave didn't have a right to stay at the job that he liked uh, he could be replaced the next day so he might say oh I really want to stay here but the slaves don't get that privilege the son does the children do whether natural born or adopted in this cultural setting they have specific rights and the son gets to stay the Jewish people who were servants of sin we're about to be expelled. Number three, the son has the right to make a slave free. Look at verse 36. So if the son sets you free, then you're free indeed. In this culture, again, the child the, who is natural born or adopted, the son has the right to, to tell the slave, you know what, I'm freeing you and now you get the rights of being a part of our family. The slave can't do that on their own. But the child can free them. Now, for the sake of time, I won't read Hebrews 3, 5, and 6, but it's a beautiful scripture about how Moses was a servant, but Jesus is the son of the house. It goes along with this scripture very well. John 8, 34-36 is a passage about freedom identity. And there is a practical exercise that we're about to do. Yes, we are all about to do it. And that is to help us with our identity struggle. You see, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, set your mind on things above and not on things of this world. And there's been times in my life, maybe yours, when I have had a mindset issue and somebody says, you know what you need to do? You need to change your mindset. Thanks. I know that. But how do I do it? How do I change this mindset? Well, I'm going to give you the exercise right now. You're going to chant a phrase. You're not going to chant Edwards. So don't do it. Right? That doesn't work for you, maybe the way it does with my family. You are going to chant the phrase, and we're not doing this together. We're going to sing a song. 
But I want you, in the low moments of your life, to declare, whether in prayer to God or to the people around you, I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. And there's been times in my life when I am at my lowest, I am at my loneliest. Now, Alan was talking about living on the other side of the world. It's some of the loneliest times I've ever experienced. My darkest times where my identity is just really diluted. Maybe I'm very self-focused, very selfish-focused, and I have to remind myself, I am who you say that I am. Instead of creating this picture of, woe is me, or uh, all of these terrible things may have happened to me. Look at number 20 in the songbook, please. The song is called, Who You Say I Am. If you have a writing utensil, I want you to, I want to challenge you to do this exercise with me. Now, that means you need to keep the songbook because... Uh, you know, I didn't ask permission to do this from the, the host church. They want you to put the songbooks back in the box. So I guess do what you feel is best. But I want you to write out scriptures in the song. And when we sing it here in about six minutes, I want this song to come alive to you because it helps me. It, for years, this phrase has helped me. But this has helped me express John 8, verse 34 through 36 in ways that Jonathan Edwards simply can't do it. Now, as we prepare to look at the lyrics of this song, and if you want to write some scriptures above specific lyrics, I just want to say this about these songs and how fantastic this songbook is. I have heard sometimes people say that songs that repeat phrases are vain repetitions. We need to get rid of those types and go back to whatever other types that don't have these repeated phrases. First, vain repetitions is a Bible concept about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. It's good to repeat words in our songs because when we repeat these ideas, like the angels who sing holy, 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 they're repeating to God, we need to repeat these in our heart too. So highlight and circle these. Here we are. I got mine right here. I hope you got yours out too. Right? We're in number 20. It opens with the identity question. Who am I? Who am I that the highest king should welcome me? You could write down Exodus 3 and 11, 1 Samuel 18, 18, where Moses and David were asking that very question, who am I to do this for you? And this this expression, who am I that the the highest king would welcome me? The, The people who sing this are now in a meditation of identity. And these verses express, look at everything Jesus has done. Who am I in comparison to that? Verse 1 continues, I was lost and he brought me in. Luke chapter 15, verse 3 through 7, we were like sheep, one little lamb who went astray. And Jesus was willing to go out and find us and bring us back. Verse 2, free at last, he's ransomed me. His grace runs deep. We're ransomed as 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, not by something that perishes like silver and gold, but we were bought and brought into the house. We were slaves, like John 8 says. We were slaves and we were bought and brought in by the precious blood of Christ. While I was a slave, there it is, while I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so this song, as it prepares for the chorus, says in the first verse, Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Verse 2, Jesus died for me. He died for me. 
Write down Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, that we could know the width and depth and breadth and height that is the love of God. What do we say when we question who we are and what God has done? What else can we say but who the Son sets free is free indeed. Write that down in the chorus, John 8, verse 36. And when we think about that phrase and what it means to be a slave on the outside and to have been bought and brought inside, we can declare, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. Write that down. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Put 1 John 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Behold that love that he would call us children when he has every right to just call us a slave. In my father's house, there's a place for me. First, or rather, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1 through 4, Jesus said, I'm going to go before you. In my father's house are, are many rooms and I'll prepare a place. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Look at the bridge. I'm chosen. Not forsaken. Write down 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We're not forsaken. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Don't you see this song is, it oozes Scripture. It oozes Scripture. Scripture that is helpful for us with identity struggles. So when you are feeling angry that life hasn't gone your way, when you are feeling depressed that you're not the person that you thought you would be, when sin has wore you down, four times in this bridge, we get to shout out together, I am who you say I am. You are for me. You're not against me. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 asks it as a rhetorical question. If God is for us, who could be against us? It doesn't matter. Because I am who you say that I am. Four times it's mentioned there. So as we prepare to sing this song, this is the interactive part where now we all get the chance together to cry out to heaven, who am I? And when we consider all Jesus has done and all that's been accomplished, all this fantastic plan, we're going to get the chance to shout out, I am who you say I am. Because I was a slave, and slaves don't get to remain. But I was bought, and I was brought, and there's a place for me. My identity is in Christ. Let's sing.